everyone. Welcome to another episode of Friends Missing Friends. Today I talked to Alex Coesis. She's a friend of mine and is also a soul fitness coach and has a best-selling memoir called Truth Matters, Love Wins. She has had multiple friends pass away over the years. In our conversation, she shared some beautiful insight with me about what she's learned from her grief. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Alex. I am in my 40s, and I have lost probably close to two dozen friends. Um, And some were friendly acquaintances, and some ranging from friendly acquaintances all the way to, like, besties. And the prominent one, if you will, would be my best friend, Katie, who was my Mm -hmm. college roommate. We were assigned to uh, randomly from the university to be roommates and always sort of looked back at that as like the universe, you know, putting its hand in and saying, you two, definitely you two. Uh, And then she died in a car accident In 2000 and, let's see, gosh, my math here, uh, 2003, I believe it was. It's, you know, been a handful of years at this point, 18 or 19 years, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I still actively miss her. Like, I, I still, um, it was obviously devastating when she went, Mm -hmm. um, we, again, were roommates and then chose to be roommates again the second year of college and then just stayed in touch all up until I talked to her the week before she died. And, you know, I would visit her when I'd go back to Wisconsin. She came out to visit me in Colorado where I moved after college. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she left the physical world, not only was it like a crushing, you know, re- realization that she was gone but I also felt the very acute loss of all those shared memories that she was the she was like the only other person who held the the other side of so many (laughs) I mean you know countless nights in our dorm room and whatever just in college um and I am grateful to have uh, a pretty solid handle on many of them. We have, I've always been an avid picture taker. So I have tons of, mm-hmm. um, you know, photographs. And Katie and I were also in the habit of writing notes to one another when, you know, went to study for poli sci. I'll be back by 530. And I have her handwriting in. I have all those notes. I was, you know, some may call it a hoarding. <laughs> I call it memory keeping, <laughs> but uh, I do, I, I feel fortunate to have what I have, but I know that so much of it left when she did. Um, yeah. And then just through, as I've gotten older, I've lost, I had a stretch just a few years ago where I lost one friend a year to cancer. And the third year in a row, I just, I sort of you know, kind of tongue in cheek, kind of laughed with my husband, like, could see why people might 
not want to be friends with me. <laughs> like I just, they keep going. Um, you, when you lose somebody and it's your first somebody, there's a lot of anger and, and bewilderment and just all sorts of things mixed in with the grief. And then as it, uh, you know, and I remember speaking to my grandmother about the same kind of thing, too, because obviously, if you're lucky enough to live to an old age, you will, with with increased, you know, frequency, lose people. Um, and I remember her saying, oh, honey, you're just so young to have this be happening. Like, this is something my generation, you know, has more experience with. But uh, but the the more often that it happens, you are able almost to bring joy into the grief. It's a little bit, personally anyway, I have found, I've been able to balance that a little bit more. It's mm-hmm. it's less about like, why did they leave? And, you know, shaking your fist at the heavens or whatever, and more about, oh, how lucky I was to know them. They were only here for those you know, few decades, really, which is the blink of an eye in the grand scheme of time. And I was lucky enough to spend time like, you know, I was fortunate enough to know them. Um, I've really adopted sort of that being my my, you know, my chosen response um, to news like that. You always have a reaction and then you have a response. And is it the response that you can decide or is it the reaction that you can decide? It's the response. The response. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The reaction is like your initial, you know, how you were, your, what is it? Your reactions are are based upon like your first five years of life, what, how you were conditioned, how you were raised, how your brain was processed. And then your responses can be learned. That's, that's what you decide to do with what you've grown into or who you've grown into. Wow, that's fascinating. Now I'm wondering how I was <laughs> raised in my first five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it has, you know, a lot obviously to do with whoever raised you, but not entirely. It's also just yeah. like the world and the society and the things you saw on the street and the things you, you know, heard on the radio. I mean, it's everything. It's like Wow. Yeah. I was listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast. Love. Um, Yes, I love her. It's called We Can Do Hard Things. And they mentioned how uh, a lot of times when kids like fall or something, we go, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And then in a way that can train them to like, they're actually hurting, whether it's physical or emotional, and they're being trained to like ignore that and be like, I'm okay. Or, or you're fine, you're fine. And so they're saying that we always say, I'm fine. I'm fine. When we're like, not fine. I think it can definitely relate to grief as well because just I don't know at least in the society and that I've witnessed <laughs> um and am a part of it's like you um just kind of have to be fine pretty quickly um or at least seem fine you know so that other people are comfortable grief is is universal and highly personal Mm-hmm. And we all go through grieving, but rarely are we doing it at the same time. And mm-hmm. even if we, you know, even if you and I both lose someone equally important to us, we each had individual relationships. And so mm-hmm. it's still going to be a personal response and, and, and reaction, <laughs> like experience. Yeah. 
Um, and that can be really difficult for other people to swallow. Mm-hmm. And it can be even harder for other people to hold. Yeah. And it, it um, I think it's, it's sort of like a, like a balance between, I don't need you to hold my grief, but I do need you to hold space for my grief. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. And I think a lot of people feel like it's one in the same. Like if you're sad, I have to be sad. And it is kind of one of those things that they want people to hurry through because it's, yeah, it can be difficult to relate to. It can bring up their own, you know, trigger their own, maybe not so great grief memories, mm-hmm. um, either of being sad of something from their past or wishing they'd handled something differently. Uh, like I said, holding, just holding the space, like there's room for you to be sad and us to have a perfectly pleasant time together. It doesn't have to be, um, or, you know, room for me to be sad. And I, I'm not going to just be Eeyore, you know, or about it. And I, I don't need to bring everybody down. But that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah, it's hard because I, I don't know. I think there were times where I was Eeyore. <laughs> sure. Like, especially in the very beginning. Because yeah. the very beginning is like. Yeah so much it's so overwhelming and you can't be anyone except for Eeyore at least I couldn't yeah because I was also like so in shock I was like what is happening like what the heck like my world just like turned upside down exactly so I totally was a bummer to be around (laughs) but like I don't know I just uh I I hope that I have learned from this that I don't know. I hope I'm able to give space to other people when they're in that space because I think it is really hard to understand that and like be around it. Well, that's why I think these conversations are so important that that you're yeah. holding here is that it's really giving a voice to the experience. You know, not only in the sense of grief isn't linear, it bounces, you know, all over the place, but it's always it's always most intense right on the onset of news, especially news that changes your world and especially news that rocks your world. Like mm-hmm. an elderly grandparent passing is different than a peer mysteriously dying. Yeah. And I I, I think that there's, I think you're right. I, I think that a lot of times, uh, People try to hurry us through those really sticky, you know, icky kind of Eeyore <laughs> moments, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, and well-intentioned. I'm sure, you know, everybody's like, oh, I, I hurt for you. Come mm-hmm. to the light. Come. Let's be, you know, yeah. cheerful and happy. And what I was saying earlier, like, let's be remember how blessed we were to have known the person or whatever that can be like, I don't want to hear that. I am in a, I'm in, I'm in the darkness. I'm in it. And knowing, right. It's not permanent. I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. live here now, but I am. It feels like it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I have set up camp. (laughs) Uh It feels like it's going to be forever. (laughs) And, uh, but I think it is important to also be able to look back and to say, that was a stage and there's not a set, you know, so that when someone else is in it and it feels like they're never leaving, 
they can kind of know in the back of their head that it it it, it it's a stage mm-hmm. that you will because that there's there is relief in that um, kind of moving past that part of it, but that doesn't mean you need to hurry. You need to be there as long as you are there. I'm curious if you experienced grief differently in any way when um, friends passed away rather than um, maybe family members or other people, like how that was different for you. Personally, for me, I tend to, when I lose family, when I have lost family members, I go into like an empathetic grief where, oh my God, my grandpa died. Oh, grandma. Or, Mm. oh, my other grandma died. Oh, dad. Like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then secondhand almost, right, right. And I lost my grandpa. Right, right. I lost my grandma. But with friends... My grief is like my own first, even though they also, you know, are are losing or, or have have, you know, husbands or wives or kids or parents or siblings. Um, I feel like I'm in like a web with my family. Right. I have I don't necessarily have relationships with my friends, husbands or wives or kids or parents. Right, you don't know them in that same right, way. Right, right. I, I still feel, you know, terribly for them. At one of my, one of my college friends who died of cancer, um, I flew from Colorado back to Wisconsin for her service, and I had met her husband before, but I didn't, I, I didn't have like a, a working friendship with him, as it were. And when I saw him, I started to cry. You know, I was saying hi to him, and he just was like, "No." No, 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 no. We're not doing that today. No. And like shut down my tears. And then I didn't have room. I was like, (laughs) like trying to be all joyful, even though it was sadness that was bubbling up. I have so many feelings about that because for one, I understand where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. It was just like he couldn't, you know, handle it in the moment. And I respect that. And I also, that's like, I think that's one of my worst fears as someone who grieves friends is for my grief to cross a boundary and upset partners and family who kind of have first claim, as it were. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what I was talking to my friend about grieving friends. And we were both having that experience. And she was like, yeah, I have, I realized that like my when I grieve my friend, it's very small. It's behind closed doors. It's only, I only talk to, uh, with my mutual friends with that person. And, you know, because we don't want to um, just, I don't know. It's like we're unsure if we can have ownership of it. Um, and it, it makes sense that there's a time and a place I don't know. I just think it's very complicated. (laughs) I agree with you. There 
there's something about saying, okay, my friend has passed. I am going to work to embody all the parts about her that I loved the most. And therefore, she'll live on in me. Oh, I love that so much. That made me teary. Because (laughs) I think... So I I feel like um, my friendship with Lauren, who's my friend who passed away... I, I don't know. I have this personality trait where when I get close to someone, I kind of take on some of their maybe mannerisms a little bit or like, you know, she was really goofy, so I would be more goofy. And so her personality already infiltrated mine before she passed away. Like that was just she kind of freed up that part of me because she was so like free spirited. And I was like, oh, I can be like that. And it just I was like learning from her, you know, and then. What, after she first passed away, I was like, oh, my God, I've lost. Like, not only did I lose her, I lost the part of me that was her. And I was like, am I ever going to get it back? Like, I don't know. That was a little that I don't, it was like a whole other layer of grief. I was like, I really liked who I was with her. You know, she like made me this version of myself that I don't know. I liked even better. You know, she enhanced me if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's like when that person passes away, it's like that does live on. But I think there was initially a fear that it disappeared too, which doesn't really follow logic, (laughs) but it's also because the parts of me that were her were joyful and goofy. And I, how can you be, joyful and goofy when you're in the depth of despair of course you know (laughs) but it took me a long time to kind of get that back I think I see 100% how that could happen because even especially if you were joyful and goofy with her more so than you were in other relationships or avenues or pockets of your life I can totally see how that would initially seem as though that had been closed off to you then versus right with time, maybe being able to understand, like she showed me what I already have inside of me, right? We understand as we get older that we only recognize things in other people because we have them in us. And so she didn't give you any personality traits. She just was a conduit to wake up what you already possess. And it's sort of, you know, like people say, oh, soulmate, soulmate, I'm looking for my soulmate. I personally believe that there are, you know, dozens, dozens, if not hundreds of people on this earth who are going to speak to my soul. And I happen to be married to one But if for whatever reason he ever went away, I don't think that's like, well, that was the one of seven billion people. I happened to find (laughs) them, you know, and I think friendships can be beautiful like that, too. Like Lauren, it was special. No doubt about it. And it doesn't take anything away from the bond. Like if something were to happen to my husband and I were to go on and marry someone else and have a beautiful relationship with them, it doesn't lessen the connection my husband and I have it in fact would you know it would be well I loved marriage so much with him like you loved being friends so much that you went out and did it again (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, you know, it taught me how good it could be. And so I, I, this is sort of a weird analogy to be making, but I truly, without like even a second of hesitation, truly believe that there are other, and you may already have found, you, you may be like, yeah, I know. But there are other friends who will bring out those same playful, goofy, joyful qualities in you because those belong to you. And it was, you know, Lauren was a, an indicator. She was one of those like special, like zoop, those parts of you and parts of her connected. And, and, uh, and, and now that she has passed, like to what I was saying earlier, now you can embody those parts. So you loved about her, you know, one of the parts that you loved about her and you bring that into the world now. And then she lives on through you and the world gets to know her goofy, playful, joyful spirit because you're showing us you're writing, Aww. right? Like you, I told you when I read your, your draft, I felt like I felt it. I could tell that Lauren was special. I could tell that Lauren was joyful and I never would have known that had it not been for you. And so there is. There, in my opinion, there is so much power in keeping friends who have gone like at the tip of our tongue and yeah. involved in our stories. And, you know, to this day, Katie's my Katie's been gone for decades now. And for this day, I said, oh, God, would Katie love that? Oh, you know, ha ha ha. Like I still she's still right there. And I also just assume again, without like a second of hesitation that she's on the other side of whatever the veil is, mm -hmm. and she's still looking out for me. And I just have her pulling from that side now. And so when I've gone through hard times, I still talk to her. I still, you know, thank her when things go my way. Um, yeah, I hear songs I all the time, and I'm like, oh, she's here. She's here. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's so special. I, I, I can relate to that too. I, I still text Lauren a lot, not like every day, but every few months, you know, I'll send her a text and it's so strange because I, I had like thrown out my old phone, like very shortly before she passed away, just happened to. So I don't have a single text from her. So my entire text stream in my phone is just me. I don't know. That's just one way that I still talk to her or sometimes I'll like, you know, say, talk out loud to her or a lot of times would think like, oh, man, she would love that or something would happen. And I'm like, ah, like, I wish I could tell her this and see her reaction because she would have been reaction. the first person I told. Yeah. Like because the camp, the summer camp we went to together. You know, a lot of the things we would talk about is is the people that were at camp with us and what they were doing now, because that was the people we had in common. And I'll hear things about some people who went to camp, you know, whatever. Maybe they something wonderful happened or they got married or they had a baby or anything. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could talk to Lauren about this, you know. Yep. <laughs> but I love the I also believe that. um that her presence is there. I think a lot of that is because I want to believe it. I want it to be true so badly. <laughs> the way I see it, there isn't any reason 
not to believe. If it makes you feel better, right? If it's a comforting thought, do what makes you happy. Design your life to be something that supports you and holds you and lifts you up. And if it, like for you, like for me, like for you, if it, if it feels good to believe that your friend's presence is right there, like right there over your shoulder, why the heck not? <laughs> and I, I like to think that it would be the case that Katie and I would still just be thick as thieves to this very day if, if she were still on earth. Um, but that hasn't, I'm not thick as thieves with every person I've ever been friends with. You know, we've talked a little bit about this, how sometimes losing a friend just means that you're not friends anymore. It's They don't die, but you still grieve the friendship and you still grieve the absence of them in your life. But it breaks my heart to think that maybe we would have grown apart as, as the years had gone by. But I have, let's see now, <laughs> now I'm getting a little emotional. I have the blessing of having been her best friend for a period of time. And like, that's, nobody can take that ever away because that's where we left things on extraordinarily good, close terms. You know, the last words we said to each other were, all right, love you, love you. Like Mm. she knew I loved her. I knew she loved me. So again, it's almost like, no matter what anybody else has to say about me, I have Katie. Thanks for listening. Friends Missing Friends is produced by me, Hannah Rumsey. Sound engineering is by co-producer Eric Siegling. Original music is also by Eric, featuring The Lost Wayne. Artwork is by Heidi James. Please rate, review, and subscribe Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we can cherish and remember the friends we miss. See you next time.